This is Josh Summers, and you're listening to Everyday Sublime, the podcast where I endeavor to explore a full-spectrum spirituality, uh, particularly through the lens of yin yoga and Buddhist meditation. Um, I've been a yin yoga teacher and trainer for about 20 years. I've been a licensed acupuncturist for about 20 years. I've been a meditator for about 30 plus years, specifically a Buddhist meditator for 20 years. And um, as a teacher, I'm very interested in how these practice practices, especially yin yoga and Buddhist meditation, integrate together, how they harmonize our energy through the lens of Chinese medicine. And this podcast endeavors to explore a full spectrum spirituality uh, that seeks to provide or support harmonization and, and collectedness of being for wholeness. How do we become whole is part of the, um, the central question of this podcast. And I'm very excited to be back. Um, I, if you're just joining, you won't know this, but if you're a regular listener, you'll know that I've been kind of on a sabbatical for a couple months. Um, I intended to come back in mid-September. That got delayed a month because Terry and I, my partner and I, just launched our new platform. And we're super excited about our new platform. This is our, the evolution of our websites, the evolution of the kind of the, the, the framework of our teaching. And um, we've been working on this for at least nine months now. It's been a huge project. I can't tell you how we both found it was incredibly stressful towards the end there. The last month was one of the more stressful and, and challenging times of our life, actually dealing with this, this launch of the website, just because there was so much, such a big learning curve to get to, the, uh, to understand the new platform and uh, such detail required to migrate all of our content. The good news is we're up and running and it's looking great. We love it. The feedback from our students and uh, clients has been wonderful. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. So head over to joshsummers.net. Check out our new platform. And when you subscribe to our newsletter, which I want to recommend you do, when you subscribe to our semi-regular newsletter where I offer reflections around teaching or upcoming events that we're offering, we'll give you a free copy of my new ebook, The What, Why, and How of Yin Yoga. And this is a... Uh, really a, a deep dive into the fundamentals of yin yoga, particularly kind of the theoretical fundamentals of about what is functional alignment and how do we um, operate or how do we practice the, the core foundations of yin yoga. Um, and I, I really want to recommend that because my whole approach to energy cultivation and to the cultivation of the mind and heart in meditation, my whole approach is really founded on the physical approach that we we develop and start to um, understand in Yin Yoga itself. So, from the physical, I take the same approach to the energetic and to the to the contemplative development of the mind and heart in meditation. So, do check that out. Again, if you go to the website joshsummers.net, subscribe to the newsletter. It will send you a free copy of my new ebook, The What, Why, and How of Yin Yoga, and will also give you, send you a coupon code to practice in our online practice community or Sangha for two weeks for free. So if you'd like to try out taking classes online or through the recordings in our library in Yin Meditation, Qigong, and Yin Yoga, and especially how they all fit together or how they all integrate together to support, as I'll be speaking about in this episode, how they support calm clarity. So the, in the podcast, 
starting today and probably for the next several talks that I give, um, I'm going to be reflecting on how this approach to yin meditation that I've styled from various traditions of Buddhist practice that I've done, but I'm going to be talking about how yin meditation supports the development of samadhi. And samadhi, if you're not familiar with the term, is a term that comes up and is very pivotal and significant in both yoga and Buddhist meditation. But the way I'll be using the term for now is somewhat general, and I'm just using the term to refer to a spectrum of states, and they're often considered non-ordinary states, but they're a spectrum of states of consciousness whereby there's their those states of consciousness are characterized by really pleasant, calm, relaxed, internal harmony, whereby your consciousness is very clear, crystal clear, very sharply awake to everything that's arising moment to moment. So there's an internal state of deep peace coupled with brilliant clarity. And that's what the theme of this talk and the next several talks will be. So I really hope you enjoy the reflections. I hope they support your practice. I hope they uh, improve and facilitate your access to samadhi yourself. And I would love to hear from you in, in terms of how you find integrating the suggestions in this talk into your own practice. So shoot me an email, leave a comment. And while you're at it, if you could write a review for this podcast in your favorite podcast app, whether it's in iTunes or in Spotify, that goes a long way to helping um, spread this, this, this work that I'm doing and support the podcast. So I really want to thank you for any shares to a friend or reviews that you take the time to write. I, I very much appreciate it and thank you in advance. Okay, without further ado, more from me soon, but today's talk, the three R's of Yin Shamatha Vipassana meditation. Hope you enjoy. So welcome to this evening's meditation reflection and um, really discussion and gathering for, for our practice time. Um, just sort of to orient us, I'm aware that yesterday was the full moon of October and where Terry and I live in Maine, you know, part of New England, the, the trees are just really a flame with this, these brilliantly gorgeous colors of orange and red and yellow. And um, we're just very aware of the season. And, um, and as we were talking this morning, in a certain way, how the fact that we're, we're offering this, this training um, in kind of contemplative wisdom called the heart of wisdom, but offering this training during the fall, during this, this season of the fall, um, seems to be synergistically aligned in that um, in Chinese medicine in particular, the fall is a, is a time of um, inward introspection, but it's also a season of the lung, the energy of the lung. And in, in Chinese medicine, the, the, the energy of the lung is connected to discernment, sort of the wisdom of discernment. And... Um, and as, as, as I'll try to maybe get into in, a, in, a, in an upcoming talk, the, one of the themes of contemplative wisdom 
is, and this is what we'll be sort of more looking into more tonight, but one of the themes of contemplative wisdom is that in order to come to a direct connection with what wisdom is implied, what wisdom means in spirituality, um, there, there often needs to be the cultivation of our minds and hearts. And, and in, in Buddhism, that cultivation is signified by the word bhavana, which means to cultivate to, or to develop. And two of the qualities, the two qualities that we develop in, in Buddhist meditation are calm and clarity, calmness and clarity, sometimes referred to as tranquility and uh, seeing things as they are, or tranquility and insight. But the, these two qualities um, have some, you know, the, the, the terms that are associated with those qualities of calm and clarity in Buddhism are the terms of shamatha and vipassana. And I just want to offer a few reflections around these tonight, and particularly um, offer what I'll be referring to as, as kind of a yin approach or a yin meditative approach to shamatha vipassana, calm clarity, a, a yin approach to calm clarity and the, um, the wisdom that starts to arise or become clear uh, as a result of calmness and clarity. And in, in sort of thinking about how to speak about these themes of developing calm and clarity with a yin, yin meditative approach. Um, you know, I am very aware that in various traditions, these two, these two capacities or these two qualities of our attention are often segregated. They're often split up where, um, particularly for beginners, they might be told for in the beginning, you're just coming in the door, welcome, it's nice to have you here. We're going to have you count your breath for the next five years or so. <laughs> that's, that's your training for the next five years. Or um, if you go on retreat, they might say, depending on the system, for the next three days or for the next week on this retreat, I'm just going to have you ask you to bring your attention to your body, bring your attention to your breath, bring your attention to a phrase of kindness or compassion for oneself or others. And in bringing your attention to that, that experience or to that object, whenever your mind wanders, bring it back. So there's this, this idea around calming the mind involves um, a kind of a, a wrangling of our attention, uh, the training of the, of the, the puppy dog of, of the mind, um, bringing it back again and again. And, and there's kind of a, a bit of a, often a sense of kind of laborious labor, or, you know, a labor to it, where you're, 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 you're just, you're, you're, you're trying to capture whenever your mind drifts and let it go and not, not, not get lost in the weeds for too long, bring, and to bring the mind back. And in that, in that approach, where these two qualities of calm and clarity are, are kind of separated or segregated, you're often told you have to develop a certain degree of calm um, defined by certain parameters or just defined by certain criteria. You have to de develop a certain amount of calm before you're able or before you're capable of having clarity about what's occurring. 
So there's often a sense that at a certain point you shift lanes, you shift directions, you shift from focusing your mind on something and concentrating your attention to uh, looking more closely at what's happening or looking more open, open-endedly at what's occurring. And uh, I can certainly see the, personally, I can see the value in, in emphasizing these two different capacities with different techniques or different approaches. Um, but in some of the traditions I've worked in uh, and practiced in, uh, the, the emphasis is that these two qualities, calmness and clarity, are two sides of the same coin. They, they develop, they mature, they ripen together. So to any degree that we get a little calmer, just like if you met, again, to use the very common analogy of a body of water, like a pond or a, a, a puddle even, or a lake, when the water becomes more still, the agitation calms down in the water, the surface of the water becomes more reflective, becomes more mirror-like. So as the water attains greater degrees of stillness, a quality of lucidity or clarity simultaneously arises. So this is where what I'm trying to say tonight is these qualities of calm and clarity are two sides of uh, the cultivation of our heart, the cultivation of our mind-heart, the cultivation of our citta in our practice. And I want to um, suggest that, and, and this will be an introduction to a series of talks on this, but I want to suggest that, um, I, I want to try to suggest extremely simple words that I think, um, at least for me, and I, I hope for you, but uh, for me, I want to suggest three words that I think um, embrace the heart of what it means to come to calm or what it means to experience calm. And I'm calling these three words the three R's of a yin approach to shamatha vipassana meditation, or a yin approach to shamatha vipassana bhavana, which means, again, calm for shamatha, clarity for vipassana, and bhavana cultivation. So we're cultivating calm clarity. And, you know, as, as I think I've tried to make clear, um, this is a, in, in the broad scope of spiritual options, and the broad scope of spiritual paths that one could select for dedication in your life, to, 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 to give energy to, um, there really are these, these two distinct forks in, 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 in our option of paths between what's sometimes referred to as a path of wisdom and a path of, in contrast to a, a path of um, serenity. That um, the yoga tradition, particularly classical yoga, tends to emphasize entering very deep and profound states of bliss, deep and profound states of transcendence. Um, but 
this guy, the Buddha, came along and experienced those bliss states and said, yeah, they're wonderful. But the thing is, even though I get into them, even though I can get into bliss for as long as my teacher says is, is required to show proficiency with these bliss states of concentration, even though I can get into that, when I come out of them, when I re-enter my life, when I re-experience my humanity, um, there's still, he, he was wise enough to see that his heart was not released. And so it was only when, in, in, in the story of his own practice life, when the Buddha harnessed the great presence, the great, uh, you know, unmoving presence of mind, the, the great flowing of, con of consciousness in a certain direction, when he harnessed the, the, the wildness of his mind, took that steadiness of presence from his yogic practice of concentration, and then applied it to looking at literally everything, which in this context means every experience. And we've looked at these, we talked about these before, but every experience boils down to either a, a, a sensation of the body, a, a sound, a sight, a taste, a smell, or a thought. Like all experiences are, are in, in, in a certain degree um, built, a, built with these core elements from our different sense experiences of sensation, sound, thinking. Um, being the primary ones. So, in approaching this form of cultivation, the um, and it, it, particularly when we're aligning with the intention of being on a path of wisdom, which again is not a path of seeking special states. It's not a path of avoiding certain experiences. It's not a path of um, framing things that come up as distractions. The path of wisdom takes any arising, any occurrence, any phenomenon, any condition, any experience, whether it's an itch, the sound of your mantra, a thought about the divine, a feeling of transcendent love, a bitter jealousy or envy, whatever it is, that experience is treated evenly and equally, looked upon, looked into, explored, so that it's 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 um, it's deeper nature, it's um, more absolute nature, that of change, unsatisfactoriness, and essenceless, can be realized, can be perceived directly by your consciousness in real time. So I say all that, I sort of try to drop a little bit of the big picture, the meta picture of the path. We're not seeking states, we're developing wisdom and compassion in relationship to all conditions, to all states of being. <clears throat> I say that so that th that intention of the directionality of, the, of this path can inform the choices and the energies we bring, so the choices we make and the energies we bring to how we practice. And the big one for me, which is not going to sound like um, anything new, but it's, it's, I'm just underlining the word again. The big word for me that 
captured the essence of not seeking special states, that captured opening to what is, to seeing things from the present moment with clarity. The word that, that, that captured all of that for me was the word relaxation. To relax. And over the week, as I've been reflecting on that particular word, um, what I'd like to suggest tonight is when we come to the meditation, I want to give you time um, to bring extra consideration to how you're sitting. I want to have you bring extra consideration and care to your posture. Um, and to really maybe look at your posture, to explore your posture, to encounter your posture with a freshness around the intention of how much is your posture conducive to relaxation. <clears throat> now, I know that most people associate relaxation and even the next R word that I'll use, which is rest, but they associate relaxation with, and rest with sleepiness or going to sleep. And, and that's just part of our conditioning as humans. You know, we particularly if we're, you know, working a lot and feeling enervated and stressed and scattered, whenever we get a chance to catch our breath, sit down, relax, you know, the, 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 the plug from in the wall tends to get unplugged and we, and we drift into unconsciousness. So this is why it's a practice. We're learning how to relax physically. We're learning how to relax mentally so that the agitation in our system can essentially discharge by itself. And that's the yin side of it. When I, and I call it a yin approach to shamatha vipassana because in a more active, yang manner, we're often told, direct your attention to something, keep your mind there, try to focus on it, you know, sustain your attention. There's a lot of doing, 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 do it right, do it more, do it better, do it more consistently. And um, that can certainly bear fruit, that energy. And I know at some point, probably next week, I'll invite you to bring, again, some of that energy in, of being a little bit directive, being a little bit more active, an active participant with what you're present to. But I think for most people, my sense is that um, we all could do well with a kind of um, a form of uh, auto-correction, like an auto-corrective in us to compensate for a tendency to try too much, to strive too much, to 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 try to control too much so the relaxation is, is sort of an antidote to to those tendencies but tonight and this is and this is where i think the the practice of both the qigong and the yin yoga are uh, use the word didactic they're educational because they both teach a very visceral physical, somatic sense of what relaxation feels like. May not, you know, when you do the yin pose, you're feeling that dull achiness in the posture area or the target area. But when you come out and relax and you resonate, you, you, you um, sort of luxuriate in the resonance pose for a moment or two, for a minute or so. 
there's a sense of, oh, this is what the body is like, the natural state of the body when it's more relaxed. May not be completely relaxed, but it's more relaxed usually than it was going into it. You know, and the Qigong is similar. So you practice, how do you move fluidly with the relaxation, the softness, the suppleness? And, and, and I really think both of those um, are essential, uh, skillful means, really super helpful, skillful means for appreciating what relaxation is like, just, just as an ongoing practice. And that physical attunement, like it really, that's what it is. Like you, you tune your body into a relaxed experience. That attunement at the, at the level of your body allows you to be more sensitive to the conditions of, and the states of your mind. So this is where, you know, I try to always put this flag up a little bit. You know, there's a, a there can be a, an anti-mind bias in yoga culture. And I know I was, I was like always being, um, I was always the victim of this bias in my yoga culture friends where people say, Josh, you're so in your head. You just need to get in your body. Just need to get in your body. I was like, look, I'm doing, I just did the two hour yoga practice with you. (laughs) I just did, you know, whatever it is with the the body. It's not that I'm anti-body. It's just that the bias tends to say it's better to be in the body than it is to be in your head. And and I just want to, you know, raise that flag around that, that and question it and, and suggest, in my opinion, that they don't, it's not either or, it's more we, um, we, we learn to inhabit our body uh, from the perspective of wisdom so that we can actually see more clearly the nature of our mind. And by that I mean it's like when you can really sustain your attention in the body in a relaxed way, in, a, in, a, in an enjoyable way, a way that produces a kind of embodied joy, you will see how your mind moves with greater clarity. It's like, so in, in, a, in, a, in one way of putting it is, when you're aware of your whole body, as you sit or when you do a yoga pose, or you do practice qigong, there's a way that your consciousness is distributed through the body. You're picking up what's the sensory information in your feet, your calves, your thighs, your pelvis, your your gut, your torso, your neck, your limbs, your, your arms. There's this consciousness that's that's distributed, and when your mind has to, when your mind takes flight into a thought or gets sucked into a, a, a vortex of a thought stream. It's a way your consciousness has to contract very narrowly. As one teacher put it, your contraction, your awareness contracts very narrowly like it's going to slip through a keyhole and then it's off into a, a, a thought world from, for however long it goes. So, uh, again, I'm not trying to tell you to stop that, that, that dynamic. What I'm trying to suggest is that the body, our embodied presence, gives perspective on allows us to reflect upon the way the mind is the way our thoughts are the way our consciousness moves with thoughts or doesn't move with thoughts both are both are important so we'll be talking about physical relaxation when we approach the posture tonight but from that relaxation 
I would say then we create a, 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 a these all these are all all these qualities sort of build on each other. But from from physical relaxation, we allow the mind the opportunity to rest. We allow the body and mind a chance to rest. And right now, I'm just I'm thinking of rest as the experience of, and this is not like a, a like a, an absolute definition, it's just a, a working sense of it, but rest. Um, as I was thinking through it, really feels to me like sustained relaxation. That that you're you're able to settle into the relaxation and sustain it, and it's there that the the mind and body rest, recover, calm from a, a temporary unburdening of activity. A temporary unburdening of having to fix something, change something, think of or worry about something. There's there's a there's a there's a peacefulness that is that in some ways, if you can hear what I'm saying, is is born out of just letting be. So the relaxation and the rest support the mind to just let things be. Now, the resting part, I think, is very important to emphasize. And I'm trying to use just simple words, relax, rest. The third one tonight will be receive. I'm trying to see, just use simple words to, so in a way we can um, bypass, if you're like me, bypass or um, circumnavigate, or go around, the mind's tendency to overthink and conceptualize too much. So sometimes when meditation instructions, particularly when we get into talking about the kind of the, the abstract sounding philosophy of what contemplative wisdom means in terms of the three characteristics and anicca, dukkha, anatta, and all these kind of, kind of cerebral things, it, it can sound um, like you, there's something you need to be thinking about when practicing. But I'm trying to drill it down into these just basic words that um, function like um, like like lights in your practice, or function like guideposts in your practice. That they allow you to you know, explore the meaning and the depth of the meaning and the depth of the experience that the, the, the syllable intimates, or the syllable suggests. So you could take any of them, but I'm just giving you three to, 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 to play with tonight. Relaxation. What does it mean to relax the body? What does it mean to relax the mind? What does it mean to, to rest? And when you, as I said, they sort of layer on top of each other. But when when we do relax, particularly, and I'll, I'll say more about this next week, but um, when we relax with a sense of safety, so this is where playing your edge isn't really important. But we, when we relax with a sense of safety and the mind trusts the safety of coming to rest in the present moment, then we can be receptive 
to what, how things are, to what's happening. Receptive, I should say, is, as I try to say elsewhere, is not passive acceptance. Or another way of saying it, receptivity does not mean, you know, acquiescence. It doesn't mean um, implicit support of. It doesn't mean um, that you're just kind of like a doormat or a rug, just accepting what it is, you're receiving it. It can be passive and active. But it, 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 it really connotes, in my mind at least, a, the sense of you're just acknowledging the way it is. Acknowledging the sensation, acknowledging the thought, acknowledging the sound, the feeling, for the way it is. And letting your mind, in some ways, come to focus. Not as, a, not as an energy of, of control, but... Your, it's like your mind's lens starts to adjust and become get clearer and clearer about the nature of the way it is when there's less and less of your mind struggling with, pushing, fighting, condemning, waiting, evaluating, or being lost in those kind of activities. So in practice, these three R's, and, and then, uh, there's going to be four more that I'll be coming with in, in subsequent weeks. So, you know, my hope is that if you're at all confused, if you're not sure which R, just if you can think of one of them, <laughs> it's like opening up a hologram. When you go into one piece of the hologram, you'll see the image, the, the structure of the whole within the piece. So relaxation really can, 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 you know, holds the, the essence of rest and receptivity if you if you just go into receptivity that will hold the essence of relaxation and rest etc cetera, etc cetera. but in terms of the two points in meditation process that i would say here's where i if i were you i'm speaking as myself and how i coach myself to practice but when i practice i realize there's there's really two areas where i have the most opportunity to infuse my experience with my intention there's two points and there's two parts of the meditation process where i have the most wherewithal to infuse or influence my experience and my relationship to my experience with intention and that's when i'm with a perch so your perch, we've talked about this before, I won't say too much about the perch tonight, but it could be your body, it could be your hands resting on your lap, it could be the, the sound of, of sounds in your environment, it could be your breathing, it could be a mantra. But the perch is just any experience that you find is uh, neutrally supportive of su providing you with a sense of safety, where you can let your attention rest and hang out there when nothing else particularly is going on. So when you're with the perch, whatever you choose to have your perch, what does it mean to be on the perch with a sense of relaxation? What does it mean to be on the perch with a sense of rest? What does it mean to 
be on the perch with a sense of receptivity. Then the other part of the process is when you realize your mind is woken up. So your mind is, if your mind is like mine, your mind will start thinking about something or actually if I, to be very precise about it, you realize thoughts started to happen and then you kind of got carried away, your mind, your attention got carried away with it. So that will happen. That, that is not meant to be um, interrupted. That is not meant to be, uh, you know, a, a, a reason to go to war with your mind. But when it, you become a conscious of it, what I often refer to as the wake-up moment, when your mind wakes up, the three R's there. What does it mean to relax when you wake up? What does it mean to rest? again and not and i'm not even saying return yet to the to your perch what does it mean within the the whole dynamic of what you woke up to which you know usually has some trailing wisps of dreamlike thoughts and associative images that might be flickering through your mind and then the foreground of sensory experience in the here and now and your body and your environmental sounds those start to come back uh, to the foreground of your attention. So in that, that phase transition between dreaming and waking, and you realize you're awake, what is relaxation? What is rest? What does receptivity feel like? How does it function in, the, in that kind of a state or in that, that, that moment of waking up? And... I'm going to pause there. I'm going to pause the reflections and we'll come to practice. But the, the bigger intention I just want to leave you with is that the reason I like these words is not just for what they support, not just so what, you know, what they, what they kind of nourish or cultivate in, in the sense of bhavana, like they cultivate a capacity of calm through non-agitation, through not doing, through not, controlling or pushing um, but they don't add things that get in the way so it's like it's like clean fuel for your car but there's there's not stuff in that fuel that's going to make the the engine burn in a, in a kind of a dirty or uh, unhelpful way so when we add the simplicity of relaxation and rest and and, re and receptivity we're also not adding um, the kind of resistance, struggle, and energy that, that really tends to, to create unnecessary stress. So we, I will be considering next week, I'll be considering the yang side of shamatha vipassana cultivation or shamatha calm, clarity, cultivation. This week, I want to emphasize the three qualities of the yin side, relaxation, rest, and receptivity. Okay, as always, I hope you enjoyed today's reflections. I hope they support your practice, and I especially hope they support your access or facilitation with accessing samadhi.
the calm clarity of a peaceful heart. Um, and before I go, I just want to say, do check out our new website where Terry and I are so happy with our new platform. And when you head over to the site at joshsummers.net, do yourself a favor, subscribe to our newsletter. It's a very sort of infrequent, maybe once or twice, three times a month at most newsletter of reflections and upcoming events. And we will send you a copy of our free new ebook, The What, Why, and How of Yin Yoga, along with an offer to practice with us in classes of Yin Yoga, Qigong, and meditation for free for two weeks. So uh, head over to the site, joshsummers.net, subscribe, get your ebook, get your two weeks pass to practice with us, and we look forward to practicing with you. Take good care, stay safe, keep practicing, and I'll see you soon. All the best.